running into first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? It is the breakdown, and it is brought to you by our good friends at Fox 40. Start your season off right with products from our partners at Fox 40. Outfit your coaching staff with custom logoed Fox 40 whistles, gear, coaching boards, and much more. If you want to look legit, go to fox40shop.com. Use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. We've got CFP coaching boards, whistles. uh, We've got everything ready to go for the season because we are fired up to get into 2022 in the regular season. Derek Taylor at DT on SC on the other side of the Zoom here with me, Marshall Ferguson at TSN underscore Marsh. DT is back from his worldly travels. How did it go, man? Where did you go? What'd you do? We were in Wales and London. And nice. all, all apologies to everybody I grew up with around Alberta, but the steak I had in Wales, <laughs> the best one I ever had. I worked at the keg for two years. I love the king. This steak, this rib steak I had at a little place called the Abergwine in Fishguard, Wales. Unbelievable, Marsh. What was the oh, difference? What, so, what made it so special? I, I wish I had any idea. Honestly, um, it was, I had it cooked, you know, medium rare. And they fired it out. We, we got this little place and we were looking for a place to eat. And the place we thought we would go was jam-packed. Oh, well, what about this one three doors down? We popped in. The chef, it was Mother's Day, so the chef was, you know, run off his feet. I said, hey, we, there's some stuff on the menu we don't have, but we got chicken, we've got the steak, we've got this particular fish. If you want to come in, come in. I'm like, oh, steak, 27 pounds, let's go. Boom. Uh, honestly, it was cooked perfectly. They're apparently pretty big on peppercorn sauce over there. That, yep. uh, that played real well. Uh, yeah, just everything about the meat was so tender, but it wasn't. It wasn't that weird Wagyu tender thing, uh, but it was it was fantastic. So I will. That's one of probably a dozen things I'll remember forever, including what it's like to spend 24 hours waiting for your plane at Pearson Airport in uh, Toronto. Was it just that a was, delay, cancellation, staff shortage? What were we looking at? So uh, this is the story of our return. Uh, we left. I'll just put this to Eastern time so I can keep the yeah. math consistent. Woke up at 1.30 a.m. Eastern time so we could get the train to get to the airport in London. Okay, so we're on the plane. The plane actually went faster than we thought, so we were going to have a nine-hour layover at Pearson Airport. We roll in at, I believe it was, in fact, 1 o'clock. One, yeah, it was 1.30 Eastern time, p.m. Eastern time. We rolled into the airport. Okay, we go. We get some food. We come back. We're chilling out, sitting in the airport, feeling all awkward, waiting. Eight hours into our nine-hour layover, oh, by the way, your flight is canceled. Not earlier, where we would have said, you know what, let's go get a hotel, and we could sleep instead of sitting here awkwardly between the Dolce & Gabbana shop and Lole for your, all your yoga needs. No, no, eight hours in, uh, it's canceled. So come back for 9.30 in the morning. Get up after we go get, they put us in a hotel, get up, come back the next day. The second we get to the airport, not when we're still in the hotel, do we find out the flight is severely delayed because of weather. 
But when we get to the airport, oh, by the way, your flight's delayed to 11.15, 11.45, 12.15, 12.45, 1.15, okay, now you can go. So we were laid over for almost 24 hours thinking that, oh, yeah, now it's coming. It's, it's, it's never coming, kids. It's never coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that sucks man like that is that, that's not a fun experience to go through but i will say a bone that i wanted to pick with you is that you posted during your sitting in between random shop a and random shop b killing time i'm sure you said hey it's nice to see some argos stuff that was here at, at the airport which you posted which i agree yeah. is great here's the thing though and this this has been a current that's been running through my head over the last I don't know, a couple of weeks, but really into last season. Argo's rebrand is one of the worst rebrands I've ever seen. And not because the <laughs> not because the logo is bad. I love the updated boat logo. I think it looks incredible on the sides of the helmet. I love their uniforms. I love so many things about Toronto's brand. But when coaches and players on the sideline are still wearing the old A, yeah. and, then, and then you've got Chad Kelly, who's your new hotshot quarterback coming in negotiation list. We finally got him. Let's see what this guy's got. He posts the old Argos A on Twitter this past week, being like, what up, Toronto? And posts the wrong logo. And I don't fault Chad Kelly for that because it's one, it's one of those rebrands where if you're in the know, you're looking at it. Like, I'm sure you follow UniWatch and Paul Lucas and these people on Twitter that are constantly posting, like, little discrepancies where the Cleveland Guardians baseball team shows up to spring training in, like, a Rawlings old shirt that somebody stitched over the top of it. Things like that. Like, the little brand yeah. things that you notice on uniforms – when I see people on sidelines wearing the logo they're not supposed to, I'm like, do you think that would happen for, and I mean, it does happen occasionally, but for example, when the, I'm trying to think of somebody who updated their logo, it doesn't happen very much in the NFL all that much, but I mean, even when well, the, Ram, Rams the Washington are, football team, right? Yeah, Washington the Rams, football team, yeah. Like, do you think anybody's going to have the old Washington logo, obviously circumstances notwithstanding on the sideline? No. Do you think that a quarterback who signed to play in Washington is going to post the old logo? No. Are they going to be selling stuff? at the local airport for your team with the old logo. And by the way, crappy water bottles. I just got to get that out of the way. They were like the old <laughs> 1990s, like soccer team squeezies where the top would blow off as soon as you would squeeze the drink. Anyways, I thought that that was when I saw it, it bugged me. And then I went, you know what? This is a, yeah. a larger issue that we need to air here is if you're going to rebrand and change things over, make sure that everybody knows, make sure that it's, it's out there and it's, it's in your face. This is who we are now. Yeah, I was just so caught off guard, right? Because when I was in Toronto, uh, I wasn't rooting for any particular team, but I was going to an Argos game. I need to find an Argos shirt. I'm going to rock an Argos shirt. I could. I went to sports stores. I went to places where you would find that stuff, and I couldn't find it mm. in Toronto. And that's the that's the ding on Toronto is well, where's where's anything related to the Argos? So when I saw it at the airport, I was like, oh my god, this yeah. is this is great. This is real nice. It, uh it doesn't look brand new, but this is real nice. Little did I know it was going to be a touchstone. The thing that the flint that set Marshall on fire. Yeah, it's uh, and here's the thing too is I'm all for nostalgia. Like anybody who's listening to this is like, I love wearing my pinball jersey. I love wearing my flutie jersey. Yeah, nostalgia th throwback is cool. Uh, benevolence and organizational failure to rebrand properly so that all of the stuff that's out is the new stuff that's not good for the league as a whole and for the way that we are looking at these things. So uh, I, yeah, I go ahead. I wonder, I wonder, I said, I wonder how much of that is money, right? Yeah. Because the NFL, uh, Washington is now the commanders. They can just take back all the, the Washington football team stuff and burn it. And they won't, they won't even miss it. Yeah. Right. They, 
you, they can pick it up and send it to some third world country, whatever they actually do with old gear. They could burn it and never even blink, right? That's so, uh, I wonder if money is, is, is the difference there because there'd be a real supply chain of, okay, how did that get to the airport in Toronto and how would we <laughs> somehow get that back and who's writing the check for that? Because, yeah, hey, I just, hey, we need more. We need more stores carrying more CFL gear. I want to just walk into a random sports shop or a souvenir shop in Vancouver and be pulling down that super cool uh, Indigenous BC Lions logo they rocked for a few weeks there. That was yeah. awesome. I love I, that. I agree. And I think Amar Doman's working towards that. And uh, and I think that it is good to have things out in the community. I'm all for it. I'm with you. The more exposure, the better. It just leaves me wanting. It leaves me want. And I, I agree with for you sure. that that water bottle ending up there is a thousand percent the leftovers of the leftovers of the but i'm like yeah but if i'm the argos i'm not real thrilled about my leftover leftover leftovers being on top of a shelf at our airport so anyway uh it's something that i will keep my eye on i will i will track down the, the details of this as we go forward as if i see anybody on the argo sideline this year and you're two wearing the wrong logo i'm taking a screenshot okay i'm sending it out and i'm going to start shaming danny webb the equipment manager there for the toronto Argonauts. That that part shouldn't happen. <laughs> those teams should have the very latest gear ads, and those players deserve the very latest gear. Yeah, yeah. I'm joking about Danny, by the way. It's never the equipment manager's <laughs> fault. It's always the players who just grab random pieces of clothing, go out on the sideline, and then the equipment manager gets killed for that stuff. And it's like, mm, let's not do that to those guys. They're too good at their <laughs> job. So um, today on the breakdown, we only got about 15 minutes here, but we wanted to um, dive in a little bit on uh, <laughs> on kind of the combine experience DT was away for it. I was covering it, but I just wanted to throw you this overarching concept that I've noticed as I've gone through. If you follow us on CFP, Instagram and Twitter, you've seen the combine reports that I've put out of players, strengths, weaknesses, how they shape up against players of similar positions dating back to 2001. And I like putting those together. I trust me. I say this every year. I understand the combine is a piece. The combine is not everything. If you're a great freaky athlete, that doesn't mean you're a great football player. If you're not a great athlete, that doesn't mean you're not going to be great. But I like using it because it gives me the framework to start building out who you are more and more as your career develops. It's not even really for me about the draft. It's about knowing that if I see Keenan LaFrance get an opportunity in an Eastern final for Ottawa and he blows it up, I'm like, well, I can go back and see what type of player he was coming out of university. And then I can ask some people in the organization, how has he changed? How has he evolved? Because I know I have hard data to tell me this is what he was and this is his, his profile when he came out. So I like doing that. I like looking at them. But this year, DT, I believe it's a draft of anomalies. And that makes okay. sense because we're coming out of 2020 not having a U Sports football season 2021 having a shortened U sports season for most of these teams across the country combine preparation has been messed up equipment has been limited for training at various points but it's not necessarily just the testing results although it is some guys it's more so the type of player and the fit in the Canadian Football League and so there's a couple that jump out to me here the first is Rodine Brown who's the offensive lineman from the University of Alberta who testing aside dominated the one-on-ones looked incredible he's going back to school which might hurt his draft stock a little bit but I think that he showed enough that he should be drafted high. Here's the problem. Here's the anomaly. In this specific case, he is the 58th best testing offensive lineman ever measured at a CFL combine in the last 20 plus years. That's pretty high up. It's 300 plus people that have been judged. He's 58th. Nobody's hmm. smaller than him. Nobody that has tested as well as him and has dominated the one-on-ones that has ever been at a combine in the last 20 years is as small as him. And then you come into the question of 
how much do I look at the size and the requirements of playing professional football and having longevity and staying healthy and being able to physically dominate versus what I saw? Because what I saw is that if Rodine Brown is six foot two, six foot three, 290 pounds, he's a first mm-hmm. round, he's a first round draft pick. Like regardless of whether he's going back to school, he's a, he's a top 15 draft pick. Is he still that? I think, but I don't know how quick teams are going to be to look at the, the data of undersized linemen and say, this guy can play long-term where we feel secure in making a pick this high up. Six foot and five eighths inches, 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think because every other, I mean, so right off the bat, you're playing in the interior is uh, I don't even know what you what you do. I, I just remember I always kind of track back to with a lot of my arguments. Remember the Denver Broncos of like the nineties and two thousands? Yeah. Uh, Terrell Davis's te- team. Terrell Davis was a superstar of all superstars for for five years and then was was gone. That that was an offensive line built around smaller, off- you know, smaller, shiftier, more tactical offensive linemen was was this was at time. So I. I 280. Ted Laurent. Oh boy. Mike, you're now the same size as Micah Johnson. Oh my. Uh, well, and, that, and here's that the thing too. And strong I think as hell. at times wow. we, well, at times we overanalyze this, but the arm length for offensive and defensive linemen matters. Can you get your hands on him first? It's why Willie Jefferson can create longevity, press a guy off, jump and swap balls down is because he gets to you before you can get to him. Right. It's just like boxing. To an extent, yeah. Uh, and so he has, I'm just pulling it up here from Rodine Brown. Um, he, in terms of arm length, is in the 41st percentile, so just below average by nine percentile, uh, 31 and five eighths length arms, yeah. which again he is he can is, shop off the rack. That's right. all right. <laughs> so um, he's not super short by any yeah. part of the imagination. But um, anyway, so that that's the first anomaly well, I wanted to throw out there. Yeah. So so that's one where okay, if if your coach is like, you need to go to the tape and you need to find this out because guys have overcome that before mm-hmm. right and guys have overcome that and become aaron donald let's all go back to aaron yes. donald of you don't need to be the perfect physical package if you have super elite alien like skills in in other in other areas so you're i need my coach to go back to the videotape and go okay somebody who's somebody who's 320 pounds if there are many of those guys at at the u sports level what does he do against a, a big Nose tackle. How, how can he handle that? Can he be? Can he be center? Is he strictly a guard? Where does he? Where does he slot in? In here, this is. It's it's a concern, but I I never really want strict height weight to to determine anything for me, right? Because we've seen too many examples of guys who are passed over and and, and overlooked. When you go, there's a lot of things. Coaches keep telling us there's a lot of things other than how tall you are and how much you weigh that that go into are you a great football player or even a good football player? So, yeah. But if you, if you come up, if you start coming up in the 41st percentile of this and you're 280 pounds is 40 pounds from what you should be yeah. uh, in a lot of cases. Right. So it's, it's going to, people are going to pass on it because of it for sure. And again, if you watch him play at the combine and you watch his game film, none of that matters. And I know that yeah. like I'm presenting you the numbers and I'm presenting our audience the opportunity to say wow okay that's an interesting fact is that this guy is undersized height and weight can he play professional football you watch him you're like of course he can what a stupid question like this is the over analyzation that we do at the combine but the first time 
that he gets into a game preseason otherwise in 2000, let's say 23, if he gets beaten physically, just blown up, the first mm-hmm. thing people are going to say is, man, well, I, I don't know if that was the right draft pick. He's too small. He's not going to last a professional. It's unfair, but that's where we land with him in this conversation. So uh, Rodine Brown is the first one. The, the next one I want to throw out there that we don't really have to go deep on because I don't have any concerns about it, to be honest, but I just yeah. I wanted I wanted to give him some love. And obviously he's going to get lots of attention from NFL teams might get the opportunity to go and, and be on, uh, you know, a, a practice roster this season is Trey Ford from Waterloo. I just wanted to, to point out a lot of people made a lot of a big deal about him and, and coming out of Waterloo and his physicality and his athleticism and all the rest. Uh, I only have the numbers again, going back to 2001. I know that there have been other quarterbacks that have come out that have transitioned to other positions. Uh, Mark Olivier Briette at a regional combine, I believe was one that was pointed out to me on social media. Uh, but Dimitri Sinodinos from McGill posted the most athletic, the, the best combine score of any quarterback at a CFL combine in 20 plus years. The next week, Trey Ford beat it. Like we, we just had the two most athletic quarterbacks to ever be measured by my understanding in 20 years. And it happened a week apart. And it just adds another layer to this conversation of anomalies in this draft, because usually when we are talking about quarterbacks in this draft, it's, is he athletic enough to play? Or if he's so athletic, well, he needs to be a receiver because he's better at that. Trey Ford is a hell of a quarterback. And so you want him to play quarterback, but he's a totally different conversation than we've had in 20 years, maybe outside of Sinopoli, I would say, as an athlete who can just accomplish everything for you while also being good enough to earn your respect to get the opportunity to play quarterback and not just be like, you're an athlete, go do athlete things at a different position. That's Mm -hmm. kind of an amazing challenge because... I even saw the three down nation insider talk quote where somebody said, if I was the lions, I would just, I think this was somebody just wishing the BC would waste away their pick, but they're like, I would just take Trey Ford third overall because you're already going all Canadian. Why wouldn't you? And you can play him anywhere you want. He's a good enough athlete to do anything on your team. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't think Trey Ford's going to be a waste throwaway, bury him in the depth chart. See if he shows up in five years pick. I think Trey Ford's going to be picked by somebody who says, we think that he's like Nathan Rourke. We think he can start in year two, three down the road, depending on how quickly we develop him. And if we get our chance quickly with him. Yeah, uh, the insider who says to take him at, at three and just put him on the field. This to me, this is a spot where Trey Ford. I, I don't, I don't know Trey Ford at all. Trey Ford and his advisors need to decide what, what, are you, what are you going to be? Yeah. Because teams will look at teams will go, hey, if I can have impact from you in year one, at you're going to be my R receiver, you're going to be my Z receiver. I'm going to do that. Ugh. And then all of a sudden, you're never a quarterback again. That there's a real what there'd be a danger me. in that. Though. What he told me that I love about this is that, and, and I talked to him off mic away from interviews and all the rest about it, is I said, like, what is your honest approach when you're going into these team meetings and they're asking you the obvious questions because you're a freak athlete and they want freak athleticism on the field. If he was testing as a receiver, he'd be one of the most athletic receivers ever. If he was testing as a linebacker, he'd be one of the most athletic linebackers. Like he's just, he's that guy. And so the question I, I asked him was, how are you approaching it? And he said, all I'm asking them for is an honest opportunity, not a fake one, an honest opportunity to play quarterback. I said, Trey, you have no idea how smart that is because mm-hmm. I've watched enough of you. I've talked to enough people who understand you to know if you get an honest opportunity to play quarterback, ain't no way in hell you're not going to get a chance to play quarterback for real because he's going to earn their respect. So instead of going in and saying, I've earned it, I need this, I'm in charge, I own my own narrative, 
he's not bossing people around and his agent's not bullying people and denying, well, don't draft me if you don't want me to do. He's just saying, yeah. anybody can take me. All I'm asking for is you give me a real chance to prove to you I can do this. Because if he gets it, he's going to make them play him at quarterback. And I'm like, I love that approach so much. Yeah. And it, it's, it may be, it, that sounds like the perfect answer that I, that I would like. And it, it could be hard because if you want it, if you want to be in the CFL right now, you want to go, 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 you could, you could be flexible on that, but a player has to play the long game, right? Mm-hmm. There are no $500,000 contracts for receivers or linebackers or whatever you defensive backs, whatever you might convert them to. Those are there for quarterbacks and man, those would be there for Canadian quarterbacks. And Oh, by the way, can you imagine if Trey Ford, Pretend there was a scenario where in 2020, whatever, uh, there was an MLP level quarterback who was Canadian. The advertising for that, that guy would be so rich because everybody would want to piece him. If he's well-spoken, he's good looking, he's got everything and he can smile while he holds a Pepsi can. The the sky is the (laughs) limit, right? So to me, if a guy like Ford has to play the long game and go, I need to, I would like to see him exhaust every opportunity at quarterback before I even contemplate. You need me to go out there and do some cool stuff with double passes 10 times a year. Yes. But I want to be a quarterback long-term. And if you don't want me as a quarterback, I long game, yes. long game. I don't know what I would, I don't know if I, cause I can't imagine his level of talent having it, but, and I don't know how much you would stand up to the CFL, but man, I need to be a quarterback because that's what I've trained to be my whole life. That's what I want to be. And for his own self, that's where, uh, that's where the bag is at secure the bag. That's where the bag is at. It's that quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I'll say on Trey is that I actually got his number and called him the day after he won the heck Crichton this past fall, uh, because I just wanted to congratulate him on it. And to give you an idea of the character, you know, that you want the quarterback first in last out, all the kind of intangible things that go with the position. I called him and I know for a fact, DT, because I've been around guys who have been all Canadians and gone to the Vanier cup weekend and Saturday night, you get your opportunity to have the big celebration. You go out, you get bombed, you have a great time with all these incredible football players. And then Sunday you wake up, you're a mess and you go to the Vanier cup or you drag your heels all the way home to wherever you are from across Canada I called Trey Ford on that Sunday. He was getting ready for track practice back in Waterloo. He was already back running. Like he was, he was like, he won the best player in Canada. And he's like, yeah, but it's not, not my end goal. It was just something that got given, given to me. So I love that about him. And, uh, and I can't wait to see it. The last one quickly that I want to throw out here that really might be the greatest question of all. And it really ties into that BC Lions quote as well, when it comes to what they do at third. And you were just talking about marketability. There's a pair of twin receivers from the university of Calgary who are from the Vancouver area, sitting at the third pick overall. If Nathan Rourke becomes what I hope he does, and the Philpots are right there, you get one of them, you get both of them, maybe you get one in free agency a couple of years down the road. That marketability is incredible. The question here, as the anomaly, is very rarely in my time covering it. And listen, I'm not Dwayne Ford. I, I don't have 20, 30 years of draft experience to know every single way that this is handled by teams. But in my time covering the draft, five, six years now, I don't think I've ever seen a receiver or pair of receivers, obviously unique circumstances that come in with so much hype. And then you see the testing numbers afterwards and you're like, Whoa, I did not think that was going to look like that again, similar to Rodine Brown. Does it matter? Like when you see them play football, at the university of Calgary, does it actually matter what they put out there into the universe when they're doing testing? Because what happened at testing for these guys is that 
you ended up having essentially good 40 times, not great. I heard people saying mm-hmm. in hindsight, well, you know, they were never burners on the field. I heard people saying, well, you know, they're not really that explosive. So you shouldn't have expected this like monstrous vertical or, you know, their change of direction isn't everybody was kind of Monday morning quarterbacking it after the combine saying, well, we knew that was, that was going to come, you know, they're not incredible athletes. They're just, they're good route runners. And I'm like, that's not what I heard from people on Friday of the combine because yeah. Friday at the combine, people were saying, I talked to three different people specifically about the Philpots and each one of them said, these kids are going to blow up the combine. It's going to be crazy. They're going to set, they're going to be breaking all sorts of records and catching flashy passes here, left, right, and center. They're going to blow people away. There was a rep that they got intercepted by a global player, which credit to them, jumped the route, read it well, ball was a little inside by the quarterback. But again, anomaly, brothers going into a draft, highly touted at the receiver position, show up, don't test all that great, land amongst a bunch of eh, names in terms of the testing history that I have on file. And then it's like, is that a first round pick? And, th- and that's where the question comes in because we're not about testing. We're about playing football, great football players. How much weight does it carry for each of these different teams? Yeah, we, we are not about testing and we are about playing football. But the, immediately from U Sports to CFL, the competition you're going to face is stronger and faster and taller and weighs more right off the bat. Oh, and oh, by the way, some of these guys have five and eight years of experience in how things actually work versus a guy who has zero CFL experience. It, it's four six five and four five nine thirty inch verticals. Uh, I was just scanning through the through the list, of course, Marshy, of all this data. Uh, Tyrell Richards, six three two thirty, ran <laughs> as fast as Tyson and slightly faster than Jalen Philpot. Yeah, Tyrell Richards might be might be. Those numbers are, you can attest this, those numbers are pretty freaky. I saw the spider chart. Those numbers are pretty freaky. Um, But not six feet tall, not 200 pounds, uh, not overly strong, and absolutely dominated U-sports competition. Fair fair play. uh, Concerned. We went from, uh, I think we went from two two, uh, receivers that couldn't miss to zero can't-miss receivers and two yeah. that I really like and I really enjoy and I really cheer for and I want them to be great at the CFL level. But then now I'm, I'm like, my only idea is if you're running a corner route, are you going to separate? Like, can you run away from guys yeah. the way that you did in university? Because that's what they were doing against decent athletes in university. And I just, if you have Tunde Adelike out there reading the route because he's got the experience and jumping it, Tunde can run as fast or faster than you. Like, that's just an example of a Canadian guy at free safety. And that's where my mind goes is how open can you get against different forms of coverage when, as you say, you're going up against this new level of challenge? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the narratives are funny, right? Oh, yes. what, what was true on Tuesday? Oh, that, on Thursday. Oh, yeah, that was never true by Sunday. Well, no, it, it still was. Let's all keep it what it is, which to me is, hey, I love what he did on film. Um, and I get that. But this is an enormous jump. Yeah. in competitive level of oh hey uh you know what we're gonna throw you at the y and we're playing the elks this week so uh you have to get find a way to get through ed ganey or aaron grimes uh i feel like they're gonna know a way to, to block oh uh we're, we're playing the riders we're gonna flip the formation you're gonna be on the you're gonna be on the short side and nick marshall is going to be is going to be baiting the quarterback to throw one to you okay um yeah. i i would have i would have liked burning fast i 
I would need to know just just from you, Marsh. Um, yeah. uh, Sam Jaguer ran like four three eight back in the day, and I reminded this because of the Olympics. So, what is Tyson runs four five nine? Do you have a do you have kind of a ballpark for the percentile of a receiver that yes. four five nine would represent? Uh, yeah. I, so I could pull up the actual full chart here and, and give you some of the names, but just in the in the essence of time, because DT's got to get out of here. Uh, I will just tell you. Um, where they kind of stack up as I sift my way through all the information, um, where they stack up in terms of percentile on the 40 yard. And you no, know it was kind of disappointing to DT is that for some reason, when the receivers ran their forties at the CFL combine, the 10 and the 20 data didn't end up getting logged. Um, oh no, it, it like wasn't available, I guess, because it wasn't on the official spreadsheet that the CFL sent me to, to log this stuff. So that was disappointing because I think their 10 and 20 would have been pretty good. We would have seen the acceleration and all the rest, but um, it ranks them. So Tyson uh, clocking in at four, five, nine puts him in like the 90th percentile for the 40, um, which okay. is obviously pretty good. That's and nice. then being at four, six, five for Jalen, who's slightly heavier, a little bit more physical, has more of a running back background that puts him down at about the 85th or 86th percentile as well. So, uh, but again, if you're looking at, uh, you know, the best 40 times that came out, for example, from receivers, just thinking off the top of my head here, like uh, Vincent Forbes Montblow from Laval, uh, actually he ran a 468. That's not a good example. I thought that he was faster than that. Uh, Gavin Cobb was the one that caught everybody's eye. He ran, mm -hmm. he ran one, five, three, a 10 yard split, which is, I that's stupid for anybody who knows how fast that is like for me to get below two seconds at any point in my life I would just be setting off fireworks he was half a second faster than that um, and then he has a 259 20 yard split so he's just out of the starting blocks 10 20 and he runs a 453 and that puts him up in, in the 90th 95th percentile kind of thing so um, yeah certainly again the 40 yard dash does not matter as much as the 10 or the 20 because your long speed, yes, that matters on the sexy long deep routes, but how fast can you get in and out of your brakes on a 20, you know, yeah. 15, 15 yard dig or a crossing route or a drag route to run away from people? And again, I like the Philpots. I want them to go high. I think they're very good football players. I am just presenting the case that there will be teams who will be sitting across this country leading up to May 3rd, scratching their chins, going, Are we about to get fooled because their tape was really sexy? Like we can't get fooled with a first round pick here, even though it does happen. Well, and if, if you're if you're coming to the CFL as a Canadian receiver, you're more likely than not going to be that Zed receiver, and that guy does not get the waggle. Yes, you don't you don't get to play with that, right? So that's because you're not they're not putting you at Y. They may put they're apart from disaster scenarios, they're not putting you at X either because those are American positions. You don't get the waggle to play with. You get all that space, but you don't get the waggle to. Uh, to get up to speed so you better be quick in that first 10 and 20 yards and yeah be ready for uh, oh it's it's <laughs> it's a concern i'm 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 encouraged the three cone and shuttle number looks good from jalen i just i'm on a cfl website yeah that's nice um and those are those are important tests as well uh it's not as a couple weeks ago i'm like oh whatever whatever phil pot goes to ottawa too mm -hmm. the testing results give me some pause because yeah. not not six feet not 200 pounds and not super super fast yeah and the mock draft uh got significantly more complicated for me coming up on monday this week on cfl.ca people want to check that out i think i'm doing the first four rounds and uh i've been taking a lot of long dog walks trying to think okay if ottawa and bc for some reason didn't go fill pot like neither of them got taken in the top three or four 
how far down do they fall before somebody on their big board just says we can't not take them and who does bc and ottawa value more than either of those yeah. players in this draft like those are all things that i don't know and i'll have to figure out and, and throw them out there and then oh. everybody can chew on it so send one to the bombers oh man or uh, bombers or ottawa in the second round right because lapo can do things with yeah. multiple athletes like but like a, a, a newer Nick Dembski, not as big as Dembski, obviously. Right. But man, send one to the Bombers to you get up Dembski and a Philpot just doing all sorts of stuff on the field. Man, that could fun. be great. I agree. He is at DT on SC. I am at TSN underscore Marsh. Don't forget, you can master your game plan with Fox 40 coaching boards. Choose from a range of clipboards, carry boards to help with your sideline needs. Fox40shop.com is where you go to get all of that much more. Use CFP 15 to take 15% off of your order dt thanks for this man glad to have you back in the country and i'm sorry about your 24-hour layover that's all all good brother talk to you next week